Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Good evening. How are we doing? Okay, here's the deal, right? There's always a deal. Uh, Pastor Jason, if I speak here two more times, I'm on staff. Is that, how's that? Yeah. That will make him feel better really quick. He goes, I'm not sick anymore. I need to get down there. (laughs) Get get rid of this guy. So uh, Friday morning, uh, a buddy and I, some of you know him, Jarrett Lockhart, we were skinning up to the top of Snowball if, if, while you guys were nestled in your beds because you have to get up and then get down by 8.30. That's kind of the rules, right? And I get this text that says, hey, Jim, I've got COVID. Can you preach on Sunday? And uh, so obviously I said yes, but I didn't get done with work until 8.30 Friday night. And Saturday is Raylene's day. Today is Raylene's day. So we spent the whole time tromping around Lake Como. So I I hope that edifies you. Let's close in prayer. No, no. (laughs) What I want to look on, you, you guys have been talking about building and building on a foundation, building on a foundation of God's word. What I want to look at tonight for a little bit is that we build on mercy. And I, I wanna look at a particular story and spend some time there to see what mercy looks like, okay? And, and so that, that's, that's, where we're, that's where we're going. I, I did a lot of counseling as a pastor. Um, and, and this is the truth, this is the truth. During one counseling session, the sun was shining. It was late afternoon. And I fell asleep while praying for the dude. (laughs) No, it wasn't funny. It was panic. I woke up praying for his snowmobile. The guy doesn't have a snowmobile. There's hardly even any snow in Walla Walla. And so I just went right into, and Lord, anything else he might drive. And and I was going, oh man, this is, I I felt bad. I just, that, that that was terrible. Counseling was not one of my favorite things. In counseling, there is something that people will do, and we call them flutters. They sit down in counseling, they open up the gates, and they just flood information. Just talk and talk and talk. And then they talk some more. Okay. I don't know if you know any, but there's probably nobody like that here, but that's what we call them as flutters. I won't tell you these people's names. You'll never know them in a galaxy far, far away. As I I got ready for their counseling appointment, my office was in the second story and I looked down on the parking lot and uh, I saw him drive up and I saw him grab all the mail out of the center council of his car. And I thought, okay, this is gonna be good because I pretty much knew what was going to happen. So I, I brought him in the office and let's catch up, what's going on? And sure enough, she started talking and just 
flooding, just talking, just, and I let it go. I normally didn't let it go. I let it go. Because what happened is what I hoped <laughs> would happen. I'm, I'm terrible. Let's just get that out there. The husband slowly picked up the mail, started opening it and reading it. And I just let it happen. She had no idea he was doing that. He was catching up on stuff. She was flooding the whole room with her stuff and he was catching up on mail. So after about 25 minutes, <laughs> I said, hey, I called him by name, by name. I said, what did she just say? And he goes, what? I said, what did, could you just repeat to me what your wife just said? And of course, he, he couldn't. He had no idea what she was talking about. And she had no idea he was reading the mail. Just flooded. That's the way their life went. Just too much information. So part of it was bringing it back around to say, hey, listen, and I called her by name, and that's when I talked to her about, you are a flutter. <laughs> let's, let's work on that a second. Okay, so let me jump into that, to what, what I'm going to say. Here, here's the other, you want another fun fact tonight? I left my notes at home. Okay? So I, I've got some stuff here on the iPad. Let's, let's hope it all works, okay? Okay. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. This is what it says. Excuse me, verse 4. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. God was rich in his mercy. That word rich has its root in the word flood. When in, their, in their culture, when someone was rich, their, their resources, they could just flood them. It was unlimited. They could just, if they were wealthy, that meant they had a good stream of income or animals or whatever it was, that they, how they got their stuff. That's what that word rich means. It's, it's the root word of flood. So think of that, God's God being rich in mercy. He, he has an endless supply. Just like that gal would have an endless supply of words. I would try to schedule her later in the day, hoping her 65,000 words would be up by the end of the day, but that didn't work either. She had an endless supply of words. God has an endless supply of mercy. Now, here's, here's what I like. I, I love to preach on what Paul said. Love to dive into it, take it apart, and, and see what's there, and just apply it to our lives. But I also like to look at what Jesus did. Because what Paul is writing is based a lot on what Jesus did. So you have your Bibles. I want you to turn to Mark chapter five. We're gonna have fun with this. Let me, let me give you a definition of mercy. And there's, there's all kinds. You could Google some now if you want. If you don't like the one I'm gonna give you, just it's, here's, here's a, a working definition of mercy. 
God's rich, think flood, God's rich character employed, delivered, given out to those in misery and distress. I love that. That's God's mercy. He sees our misery. He sees our distress. And in his mercy, he doesn't recoil at that. He is rich in mercy. He comes to that. Okay? So keep that definition as we read through these verses. This is such a, a great, this is such a great story. I, you've probably read it. it, it's, it it's fun. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerizines. Let's stop there. You can, your, Pastor Jason said uh, this series on building. Uh, you can build on the word of Jesus. They came to the other side of the sea. What happened between there and when he said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side? There was a storm. And they were wondering what was going on, but they made it past that storm, right? What Jesus says he will do. And here they are in chapter five, Jesus calmed the storm. And now here, they're on the other side of the sea. So again, let's, let's, let's root that deep in our life that we can trust what Jesus says. That's a part of the mercy that we build on, that we trust what he says. All right. So here we go, verse two. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Okay, this is just, this is just so, so interesting. Let, let's, let's think for a second. Um, what did Jesus say over and over again? I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I was sent to the people of Israel. And here he is crossing the sea. He's no longer in Israel. He's over in the land of the Gerizines or the Gadarenes, two different ways you can say that. And this is an amazing thing. As soon as he has this encounter with this man, he's going to get back in the boat and go right back to Capernaum. So what this is, is a picture of God's mercy. His mercy is we can build on his word. His mercy is that he will cross every political, every social, every race barrier, every sin barrier to come and show his mercy. He was not sent to this man, but he decided to go because he is rich in mercy. And he says, hey guys, it's been, it's been a tough day. We've gone through a lot. We're gonna go across the sea. We're gonna minister to this guy. We're gonna get in our boat and we're gonna go right back across the sea. All of this was for this one man to show the mercy of God. Never overlook anyone in your life, no matter how much misery or distress they might have, God is rich in mercy. He demonstrates it here. So that's, that's what he did. Now, verses, uh, verses two, second part of verse two through five. Oh my goodness. Look at this, evil defined. Jesus steps out of the boat. Immediately, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. 
he lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Anybody here break any chains today? I mean, like literal chains? A chain wouldn't hold him. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, so that means ankles and wrist. but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles, not just broke them, he broke them in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Don't just read through that real fast. There's an interesting book. It's not by a, a Christian author, but it's, it's full of the Bible. And it's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it talks about what trauma does to an individual and what happens as that comes out in their body, whether they're a cutter, whatever they might be. And it's a, it, I, I was writing scripture all the way through that book, going, this science is catching up with the Bible. This is exactly what scripture is talking about. And right here, this man, so tormented with this unclean spirit, nobody could subdue him. Nobody could put a chain on him. He would break them in pieces. He would run up on the mountains and he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. Verse 6. Uh, look, 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 verse five, no, verse six. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. Okay, this, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so grateful for this passage here because it teaches us something. What is wrong with this dude? He sees Jesus and he comes running toward him. You would think if he has an unclean spirit, he would be running away from him, not toward him. The enemy just revealed something about himself. This unclean spirit was driving this man to Jesus because the devil thinks that this is a power show. And so this evil man is running to Jesus and he wants to show him who he is. This evil wants to show Jesus who he is. Folks, we have to understand our encounter with the enemy is not a power show. It is a love show. I don't know if you've ever been around. Okay, so I spent, and you guys heard this probably before. I spent a lot of my younger years running around with cowboys and rodeos and all that stuff. Yeah. I remember one time, my buddy who had had his arm blown off because he was bailing hay with a boom truck and it hit the power line and just blew his arm off and right through his leg. And, and Davy Jones was a tough, tough dude. So he had this arm with a hook on it. He was so great. I just, it was just so much fun. But he got in an argument with his father-in-law, who was also a big dude, 
And they were both taller and bigger than I am. And that doesn't take much to be bigger, but they were taller and bigger. And you talk about their chests getting bowed up. And I'm trying to stand between them. And I'm, I just disappeared as I'm going, this is not a good place. They don't even know I'm here between them. And the amperage is still going up. See, that's, that's what the devil wants. He wants... He wants a power encounter with you. He wants to come and destroy your life, but that's not what Jesus is going to do here. And he, was a, he ran to Jesus because he recognized, he knows there is a great power here. And he ran to him. But it's not a power encounter. The greater power is love. No man has any greater love than this, than to lay down his life for another. Jesus, I mean, maybe in the Old Testament, we could have had, you know, lightning come down and take care of this guy or the bears run out and eat him up or, or whatever. There's so many great things in the Old Testament. Just this, I just love reading the Old Testament. Just, oh, that, that was cool. Or, you know, just, yeah, it's a, a lot of good things. In the New Testament, now it's about a person. It's about a relationship with Jesus. About, it's about the kingdom building block of agape love. And this devil is coming and he's wanting to try to have some kind of a fight. And Jesus doesn't. The devil knows and is afraid. Look at verse seven. Verse seven. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now that, that's an okay translation. They didn't call me and ask me about what they should put in there. Um, really, what this is saying is this demon is saying, Jesus, what do you and I have in common? What, what's the baseline between you and I? Let's have a power fight here and find out what do you and I have? What do you have to do with me? What's, we don't have anything in common. See, the, the enemy just revealed one of the lies that he will come at each one of us with is that, hey, listen, did God really say, there's you guys, you and God have nothing in common. Here, let me read to you the list of things that you've thought in your mind. Let me read to you the list of things you've done. See, you don't have anything to do with God God doesn't want anything to do with you. That is a lie of the devil, and he just exposed it right here. Now, look what is happening here as we go through this. Um, he was crying out, uh, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Now, things have turned a little bit because, look at verse 8, Jesus had been saying to him, as this guy came to him, Jesus had been repeating, come out of him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So Jesus is praying this and saying this as this guy runs to him and starts this dialogue. <laughs> the guy made a mistake, though. The guy made a mistake. And I, this is why I just love this passage that Mark put in the Gospels for us. Jesus said, okay, now I don't know if Jesus said this or not. This is what I think Jesus said. Okay, dude, you're still here. You're still crying out. Uh, I've told the unclean spirit to come out. Um, so you want to go a little further? 
You, you really, you really want to? Okay, what's your name? Let, let's go to another level here. It, it could have been good if the spirit would have come out, but the spirit just has this guy trying to make it a power deal and Jesus goes, okay, do you want to get real right now? Then what is your name? I just love it. I, I really think that the devil was messing with the wrong guy. And we can see that now from this all the way through verse 20. He replied, listen to this. He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Okay, it depends upon which place you look at. A legion is either three to 6,000 soldiers. It usually was accompanied by 120 cavalry and all the accompanying supporting troops that would need to be with them as they traveled. That was a legion. That was an Italian legion. And the demon says to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. He just revealed there is an order here. He is a legion, but there's many unclean spirits in this man. We just went from one to a legion. Now, I, please don't get off in all kinds of demonology and, and stuff. Let Pastor Jason lead you through that. It's, it's a real deal. But we so easily want to get off on side trails. Let's just do what's right here. The unclean spirit now is revealed that there's lots of them in there. In, in this one, the only, uh, this will... Uh, this will reveal my age a little bit too. Back in the day, <laughs> we used to see how many people we could cram into a telephone booth. Now, many of you don't even know what a telephone booth is. Go look it up. Or how many could we cram into a Volkswagen and actually drive around town? Okay. I mean, those were the good old days. We don't do that now. We just look at our phones. But those were, those were some fun days to cram people in a... This is the picture I get. There are so many demons crammed into this guy. Now, how did he let that happen? That's a whole nother study. It says in scripture, do not give the devil a foothold. In fact, I think we talked about that here just a little bit. Foothold is our English word topography. Don't let the devil fly over your life and find a place to land. Keep your heart and your eyes on Jesus, your life full of him. Keep in community with one another. Don't give the devil any place to land. If you're doing that, stop it. If you're doing that, talk to someone. If you're doing that, get that land reused. Don't give him a place to land. Somehow, this poor guy gave the devil a place to land, all these hordes, and there was a legion of them. 
And that's why nobody could control him. That's why he was not in his right mind anymore. We're going to find that out in just a little bit. That's why he ran around on the mountains at, at night and cut himself and, and cried out. And I, I don't know if you've been in, in the backcountry and run across somebody that's a little different. It's, it's, a little, it's a little different. We were up by the Canadian border, and there was a guy that was a little different. And he, I'm not, hey, it's not, it wasn't Canadian, eh? It was just, we were up there. And all of a sudden, we're surrounded by border patrols, <laughs> some uh, National Guard guys that came in by horseback. Um, there was uh, game wardens. I mean, it was just like everybody was around us, and they said, hey. And they, they talked to each one of us. They asked us some questions. Are you guys all together? Did you come together? Are you related? What's going on? I thought, man, this would be a good way to get rid of one of my sons. It's giving me problems. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I didn't. Uh, but it, it was just, when we saw this guy right beforehand, it was just a weird feeling. That's what is happening here. The devil will not make you great. He will make you weird. The devil will not promote your life. He will destroy your life. The devil will not help you love. He will bring on so much misery and destruction that you don't know which way is up and you'll end up running around at night in the mountains crying out because that's what he wants to do. And Jesus took this special trip and it's recorded here so that we can see this. Okay, look at verse 10. They, they realize that they're in trouble. And he begged him earnestly, it begged Jesus not to send them out of the countries, out of the country. You guys have read this before. Isn't it just, isn't it weird? I hope there's a video of this. <laughs> now, a great herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. And they, the demons, began begging him, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter to them. Because the devil needs a host. He needs something that he can bring misery upon. He needs someone that he can control. He, needs, he, he just, he, he's no good at just floating out there. Okay? He needs a host. So Jesus, this, this is, have you guys read this before? So he gave them permission. Jesus goes, oh, have at it. And the unclean spirits, now it's plural, came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, lost their little piggy brains and rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Pigs are not by nature a herd animal. They scatter. The only time they chase each other is if they think somebody else has a bigger corn cob than they do. And then they'll chase each other. Pigs are not the most brilliant of animals. Now they taste wonderful. <laughs> but they're not brilliant. They see a pig come to the trough take out a, a nubbin of corn and run off and the rest of the pigs go, oh, 
that's our only meal for today and leave the whole trough and chase that one pig around. So here, these demons enter these pigs and one of them says, hey, let's go. And they run into the sea and they drowned. Can you imagine the cleanup? I, I, I want you to read scripture with living color. They just didn't run into the sea and then disappear. They're floating around. They're floating back up on the beach for days. This is a, a disgusting picture. But the reason Jesus let this happen and the reason Mark recorded and it's been preserved for us is because Jesus wants us to see the destructive nature of the devil. And he's, he's going to say, okay, go into those pigs because this is going to be recorded forever. We are going to build a foundation on it that this is what the devil does. He destroys. He brings misery. He brings destruction. And here we have the living example of that. Okay. The herdsmen fled. <laughs> you bet they did. And they told it in the city and in the country. Now, you know, there's all kinds of speculation. Jews didn't eat pork. And so it was kind of a backhanded slap. I don't know about that. Our guide at Israel said he believes bacon is a Christian conspiracy against Jews. <laughs> Think about that for a little bit. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, but Jesus was showing that these guys lost their livelihood because of the enemy. Verse 14 again, the herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man who had had. No longer did he have. He used to have. But he does not now. The one who had had the legion sitting there he would never sit down. He was clothed. I don't know where Jesus got the clothes. I think he swung by Hope Thrift Boutique and picked up some. <laughs> but the guy was sitting there. This is a guy that breaks chains and runs on the mountains and cuts himself. And he's sitting there and he's clothed and they're observing this and it's freaking them out. And he was in his right mind. And they were afraid. They weren't afraid of the weirdo running around breaking chains and cutting himself and howling. But now they're afraid at this change that has taken place in this guy's life. How could this happen? How could this guy who, who was so full of torment and so full of evil and you didn't want to be around, what happened? He's sitting down. He's got clothes on. He has his right mind. And that was too much for them. So they begin, verse 17, to beg Jesus to depart from their region. I don't want to make too much of this. Uh, too late. I'm going to. Uh, we live in a culture 
that wants Jesus to leave our country. We, we have a culture that would rather put up with weirdness than put up with mercy and grace and peace. We have a culture that thrives on drama versus allowing Jesus to build a normal life. We would rather have the weirdo running around than we would that guy setting there normal. I'm reading a book. I, I, I had it back in grad school. It's on the background of the New Testament. And I, it's always been in my library. I picked it up again, started reading it again. You know what I love about that book? Because it's exposing the New Testament background that was way worse than where we are at right now. And I'm saying, Jesus, we're getting there. Some people are already there, but Jesus, look at this crazy political system that was there. Look at this weird stuff that was taking place. Look at it, you could just behead somebody because you were pleased with something else and not them. I mean, look at the background of the New Testament. It is entirely bizarre. And when the fullness of time came, that's when Jesus climbed into that world. And he can climb in. He is climbing into our world right now. He's climbing in through you and I as we say we want to be built on mercy because, Lord, you have a flood of mercy to take care of misery and destruction. So, he was in his right mind. They said, Jesus, you got to get out of here. And Jesus was getting into the boat. Okay. Oh, well, I just came over here for this guy. Anyway, see ya. Have fun with your pigs. I, Jesus wasn't sarcastic. I would have been. <laughs> How you like them pigs now? No, I just... Uh, <laughs> Are you going to go pig bobbing? <laughs> As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. I, I love that statement. When Jesus touches us, all we want to do is be with him. When he begins to work in our life, that's, that's the reflection. Jesus, I just want to be with you. I just want to spend time with you. I just, through your word, through worship, through people, Lord, I just want to be with you. And this guy was begging, can I, can I go, can I go with you? Verse 19, he did not permit him, but he said to him, this is a good word to us, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had what? Mercy. Dude, you just got flooded with mercy. And a little bit ago, you were crazier than crazy. You were crazier than some of my relatives in southern Missouri. You were crazy. But God's rich mercy changed your life. Go tell your friends. 
That's why I'm here. That's why I, I ministered to you. That's why I cast the demons out and let you see the real result of the devil. Go tell your friends how he has had mercy on you. And he went away, I love it, and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, meaning 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. I love that. I love that. Would you stand with me? And, and Seth, would you, would you come on up with your team? They're going to play another song, but I, um, <laughs> would you, uh, you know, you've, you've seen me pray before and I say, don't bow your head and don't close your eyes. Okay, well, we're going to go back. This time I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you looking around. I really don't want you to look around. Okay, I really don't. Because I'm going to ask for a show of hands, how many at some point you have experienced the rich mercy of God. Would you just raise your hand? There is a flood in this room of God's rich mercy. Build on that. Don't damn it up. Don't keep it for you, but share that with family and friends, what God has done. You know the growth potential of River of Life is in your family and friends. The growth potential is not in a brand new stage, although that's gonna be awesome. The growth potential is not in Pastor Jason, even though he's awesome. The growth potential is not in this location, even though it's awesome. The growth potential is your family and friends hearing about the rich mercy of Jesus. All right, I'm gonna pray, okay? And you can look around now. <laughs> Open your eyes, put your head on a swivel, look around, see if somebody was here, if you were trying to figure out if they were here before and you couldn't, but now you can because it's legal because you look around, okay? Jesus, we are we are amazed by you. We are amazed in your rich mercy that you would cross the sea to minister to this weirdo who wasn't even in the plan and then go back to Capernaum. Jesus, you're amazing. Jesus, you're amazing that you will meet us where we are, but you don't want to leave us there. If we'll cooperate with you, we'll be sitting down, clothed, and in our right minds. And Lord, in my head right now, I think of family and friends that are spiritually unclothed. Spiritually, they're not in their right mind. Spiritually, they're running around trying to find what will work. But Jesus, you're rich in mercy. Let me remember that every time I'm with them. Lord, thank you for River of Life. You're not done with this church at all. You wanna continue 
to let Jesus be seen. And to that end, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.